Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Matt Decanted with winemaker and all-round good guy, Matt Wenk. Let's get started. Welcome to the next interview in the Matt Decanted podcast series. This morning, I'm fortunate enough to catch up with a fellow McLaren Vale winemaker and all-round awesome bloke, Andy Copper. Morning, Andy. How are you? Very well, mate. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very well. Thank you for having me uh, in your wonderful cellar door this morning. Um, I might as well dive in at the, at the beginning. Um, you were born in Sydney, but then uh, quickly moved over to Margaret River in Western Australia and had a, a, a wonderful childhood. Can you shed some light on uh, what it was like growing up over there, and the, the vineyards, the beach, the farmland? Yeah, it was obviously a long time ago now and, and all that sort of stuff, but for me... Uh uh, it was a, an idyllic uh, childhood and, and all that sort of jazz. I was sort of born in Sydney. I have no recollection of Sydney as a child and um, moved to Margaret River when I was about two and a half, three years of age. Um, and yeah, growing up in the bush, uh, down the beach every day, it was Dunsborough, so the northern end of Margaret River. Um, it was a, a, a very quiet little uh, town back in those days, etc. as well. It's a little bit busier these days, but... Um, yeah, beautiful part of the world. Beaches. My man was a professional fisherman. Okay, so he wasn't in the wine industry. Then. No, he wasn't in the wine game or anything like that. So as kids, we grew up either in the water, surfing, swimming, um, or on boats, fishing as well. So either on the water or on the water. Spent a lot of time down the beach. And you had some siblings? Yeah, got a younger brother and all that sort of okay, stuff yeah, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he lives in Exmouth and in WA these days. Oh, that's up near Ingleroo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 so, yeah another beautiful part of the world, etc. as well. But, yeah, ideal childhood. Loved it. Um, very fond memories and, and everything like that. It certainly changed a lot in those times. It was a very quiet little town back in the day, and it's, um, it's not so quiet anymore, certainly. Uh, oh, quite cool. a, a popular place to uh, to holiday and to live and, and all that sort of stuff. Fantastic. So, so yeah. then, uh, you, what made you decide then, um, after growing up with a, a professional fisherman on the beach and whatever, did you get a bit of a passion for the vineyards over there? Because you then came to South Australia and studied over here. Yeah, I did. Um, I always enjoyed biology and chemistry at school. Um, I was certainly no um, academic, I think it's fair to say, but I uh, always enjoyed those kind of subjects um, at high school. And by luck, after having done a round Australia trip um, after high school, trying to work out what it was that I wanted to do the rest of my life, ended up coming back after the trip, not really having any idea, and I ended up working for a good friend of mine, Miles Hat, who I went to school with at Hat's uh, Winery on Commonage Road. Uh, so just a little bit further south of, of Dunsborough there. Um, and I helped him sitting some clay out of the dam there one day and literally spent two days up to my armpits, absolutely exhausted. <laughs> Before or something, Absolutely. <laughs> and Earl Happy's father uh, walked past one day, laughed at me and said, well, you can clearly work. Um, you want to come and give me a hand in the winery for a while? And I went, anything to get me out of the cold and the, uh, the wet and the mud? Um, <laughs> Went and helped him. That was 1992, and lo and behold, what it was that I was uh, uh, looking to do, and my passion, I guess, was on my doorstep that entire time. So, and uh, uh, after studying, did you have any plans of going back to Margaret River? Were there? Yeah, certainly did. That was always the grand plan to go back there. I had to come over here. There wasn't a wine making degree in West Australia at the time. It was either here or Wagga Wagga in New South Wales, Charles Tech University at Wagga or Adelaide University, the old Roseworthy degree. Yes. Um, and all I knew was that obviously having spent my life around the uh, the beach that 
Wagga Wagga was nowhere near the beach, mate, in Adelaide. Was <laughs> there anything, is it? Didn't have anyone else in Adelaide, but um, given the choice of the two, it wasn't a difficult decision. So came over here to study. The grand plan was always to go um, back over there, and mm. in, indeed I did. Spent a couple of years uh, working here, um, back in Margaret River for a few years, etc. as well. A uh, bit of time in France, and then scored a job at... Um, Brothers in the beginning of 2007, um, yes. winemaker, a bit of cultural stuff there, and um, from there that kind of snowballed the evolution of Lana Ramble in 2012, meeting Ange, my wonderful business partner. And so what was the common, uh, I suppose, ideology between the two of you to start creating Lana Ramble? The, the common ideology, I guess, kind of was that, uh, I get Kays was an amazing experience. Yes. Um, the grown, uh, had a, a lot of fun, vineyards, wineries, uh, uh, doing that. Uh, we were kind of keen to do something, I guess, that was a little bit different. Um, at the time, case certainly was 75% Shiraz and a strong emphasis on the Carnival Shiraz, not a bad thing at all. But increasingly, we were drinking a lot more white wines. Yes. Um, we were certainly drinking a lot more lighter style reds um, that were perhaps picked a bit earlier, a bit less oak, etc. as well. So Kays was fantastic, but you were very much a, a custodian of the style. Yeah, um, and I so they're 100 and something years old. Exactly. Yeah. So very respectful of the fact that um, it wasn't the Andy Coppard show. It was you know maintaining a, a house style, etc. as well. Um, and I guess from... You know, being a little bit of creative freedom and everything like that, uh, and for Angela, etc., as well, we all came to do and diversify a little bit. Having grown up that little hippie kid in Margaret River, um, you know, you grew up uh, eating organic food and biodynamic food and, and everything like that as well. So, our emphasis is focusing on organics and biodynamics and, I guess, the sustainable side of things in terms of working with varieties we like to think handle our increasingly warm and dry conditions in Macaron Vale, and by that I mean using ideally a lot less water to get them to grow has certainly been a focus going forward. So we kind of, I think both of us evolved past case um, and kind of branched out into our own thing. So. Oh, that sounds good. So could you please explain to our listeners, I mean some of them will know uh, what, essentially what Lino Ramble means, yeah. but also you have a in the range of wines you have, you have some really cute little labels and they're really good little names, but uh, yeah. it brings me back to some of my childhood and because yeah. you remember these names, but uh, if Definitely. you could explain us a handful of the labels as well. Yeah, absolutely. I guess um, uh, Lino or Lino is short for linoleum. Um, for me personally, and, and Ange had a, a similar upbringing, but uh, a little bit different, I guess, as well, but... Uh, for me personally, linoleum, every room in the old Weatherball cottage I grew up in had this old, had their own individual linoleum floor prints. Um, <laughs> yes. Every one that we make has its own individual linoleum floor print. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that for me, that idyllic childhood uh, growing up in, in, uh, in Margaret River uh, was truly unique. It was an old Weatherwell cottage in the bush. Uh, if you heard a car, it had to be coming to your house. It couldn't have physically been going anywhere else. Um, we didn't have power to the cottage, you know, for the first couple of years wow. of, of my life there. Um, you know, you had, uh, you're bathed in a big copper pot, literally heated up on a 
fire out the back there. The old combustion stove, you know, it heated the house. It did your cooking and warm the hot water. And yeah, I well, liked it. It was my bush was my backyard. We didn't have grass. We had gravel. Um, you know, for me, it was an idyllic childhood. And I guess the most fun, biggest adventures I ever had were during that time. Yeah, the yeah. concept of starting your own wine brand, you want to go have fun and go on a big adventure as well. So incorporating those childhood memories, the linoleum floor prints, the names, individual names of each of the wines are all the childhood games I used to play as a kid and having the fun and adventures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so this one's dot to dot and, you know, there's Treadley riding around the backyard and your deadly Treadley, Blind Man's Bluff, Knuckle Bones, um, <laughs> all sorts of What's the Time, Mr. Wolf, etc. as well. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, all those different themes uh, for all the individual wines, etc. too. And Rambles, the journey from the little hippie kid in Margaret River, I guess, to, to where we are today. Um, Ange had a slightly different journey as well, but um, certainly a lot of fun, big adventures and, and everything like that for her and her journey to where we are today, etc. as well. Oh, so. Awesome. No, it's a, it's a great... Uh, You've been going, what, 2009 years? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because um, now you're working full-time on the business. That's it. So I finished up at Kay's the end of 2014, consulted through to the end of the 15 vintage. Lana Ramble was getting to a stage where it, it evolved from literally two wines in 2012 and a couple of barrels of each to, I think we we'll make about 16, 18 different wines now and <laughs> Got the punishment. more than a couple of barrels and all that sort of stuff too. I can't remember exactly how many last count. So, you know, it, obviously Kay's... It was always going to be second fiddle, and then the more this evolved, the busier we got, and the more time it required to uh, to invest in it. So I uh, finished up at K's, and we've been living the dreams of <laughs> So you're making a yeah, as you said, sixteen wines, and a lot of them are alternative ones, and uh, it's like probably like asking. Or well, someone asking you what your who your favourite child is, but yeah, you just finished the <laughs> you just. Uh, bottled the twenty, some of the twenty-one wines yep. last week, and it was an absolute cracker vintage. Was is there anything that stands out this year for you? I think in in other vintages, I think there's certain varieties that perhaps stand out more. Those warmer, dry years, I think, uh, lend themselves perhaps more to Grenache and, and everything like that. The cooler, wetter years, you know, some other varieties too. What I love about twenty twenty one, and I've done seventeen vintages in McLaren Vale now. This is certainly the the best one climatically, and just the the way the entire vintage panned out in an overall weather condition sense, um, uh, certainly the best one that I've ever been associated with is I think the consistency in just about everything from go to low. The whites had amazing natural acidity. Uh, there was no real massive heat spikes or anything like that. We've got a couple of warm days, but then it kind of cooled down again. I think we got some rain at just the right time uh, when we needed it to. Um, Everything wasn't condensed. We've had other hotter, dry years. Everything ripens early and, you know, for four or five weeks, it's just an absolute madhouse and then it kind of settles down again. We literally started the beginning of February and, you know, we picked some musket for liqueur musket base, I think, uh, middle of May. So uh, a very long, drawn-out affair, but it's just everything ripened consistently, methodically, um, there was no stress. It certainly was a long vintage. That's not a bad thing. I prefer them. And I say procession, I'm getting a little bit older now. Things need to be a bit more ergonomic and, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, to have uh, have everything kind of come in on a nice procession, etc. as well. But also, um, you weren't in a rush to get stuff off. It ripened methodically. There wasn't a narrow window of opportunity yeah, yeah. in terms of op optimum maturity. 
Uh, just to look at boxes. Yeah, I'm speaking to a couple of growers this year, and uh, you go out and they say, oh, I think it's nearly ready. You go out and have a look, and you're sort of, yeah, yes, I found you look at the weather for the next few days. So I'll be like, oh, it's 22 tomorrow, <laughs> 21, yeah. 18 on Thursday, and it's, oh, back to 23, but yeah. hey, let's wait till maybe next There's Monday. No rush. Let's have a look. Yeah. Yeah. You're not looking at going 35, 40 degrees far yeah, yeah. let's get it off before yeah, yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, no, it was, it was an idea of season yeah. for sure. So we've got, uh, I mean, you make some Italian varietals, you've got the Portuguese varietals. Yes. Obviously, there's a, do you still make a bit of Shiraz? So you yeah, still make a little bit of the, the traditional Definitely. varieties down here, but we've got some Arinto. Can you tell us a, about Arinto? Arinto is also from Portugal. Um, having spent some time in Portugal... Um, researching, ah, I use that term very loosely, <laughs> um, eating, drinking, being merry, certainly getting your hands dirty a little bit, but having a, a bloody good time at the same time, etc. as well. Um, it's been fantastic to check out some of these varieties, Arinto being but one of them. It's actually Portugal's most widely planted white variety. Okay. Um, and in particular... one with a really big bunch of Oh, dude, it's huge. Yeah, it crops beautifully. <laughs> in terms of bang for your buck, uh, as a grape grower and everything like that, um, yeah, it certainly delivers. There's no doubt about that at all. Um, what I like about it, it really holds its acid beautifully in the heat. It certainly yeah. doesn't struggle through those hot or dry conditions that we experience here from time to time. Um, the Algarve in the south uh, of uh, Portugal in particular, climatically um, very similar to Macarabar. Okay. Uh, so having spent some time down there checking it out and seeing it's referred to as the Chablis of the South, and whether you believe that or not, uh, etc., I'll, I'll leave that to, um, to, to other people, etc. too. What I do like is that it really holds its acid well. Uh, this is first crop fruit. Yes. Um, it crops beautifully, great natural acid, uh, and it's just a nice, light, fresh... Uh, is this the 20 or the 21? 2021. Uh, we made a hat full in 2020 as... Uh, a fortified, etc. as well, but a, um, essentially a, a, a white port style, etc. Yeah, yeah. uh, too. Uh, made a bit more of that in 2021, but yeah, this is essentially the first of the dry whites, etc. as well. Beautiful aromatics. Oh, it smells so fresh and inviting. It does, it? doesn't it? Uh, the, certainly the um, the Portuguese one, they have this real citrus blossom aromatics, do you know what I mean? Still a nice bit of peach yeah. and melon underneath, and, and perhaps that has a a bit to do with comparisons with uh, with Chablis, etc. as well. A bit amazing aromatics. Yeah, that, with the, that honeydew. Yeah, the, the, absolutely. And uh, what's yeah. the, the, the green one? I forgot what it was. Uh, uh, not a rock one. No. Honeydew. I think it is, yeah, yeah. But whatever it is, yeah, that's... Um... That's our first one. For first crop fruit, I'm stoked with how well that's come out. Um, certainly got nice flesh and uh, some vibrancy, etc. as well. It's gradually starting to warm up and, and everything. Like that. It's been bottled now for six weeks, released a couple of weeks ago. Uh, really excited about it. But one of many other beautiful Portuguese varieties that I think McLaren Vale um, certainly lends itself to. Tariq Nacional obviously is, um, has come to uh, some prominence here. Yeah. Uh, we do Pistado as well. Um, another amazing little uh, Portuguese variety, Jayen or Menthia, uh, depending on whether you're in Spain or in uh, Portugal, etc. too, um, is also another one that we kind of focus on from the Iberian Peninsula as well. But, uh, sure. You know, we do, you know, Nero Davila, obviously from Sicily, uh, Grio, we're the first in the Carnival to, uh, to do Grio through our friends at Chalky Viticulture as well. Um, that entire south coast of Sicily, climatically identical to the Carnival as well. So. Yeah. Um, there's certainly a focus of ours going forward. Nero Dabla's been around for a while. Um, 
yeah, Grio's a bit of a new kid on the block too. Yeah, um, yeah and I think the Clarabelle is really a, a pioneer in a lot of these varieties. Well, and like, people coming down, I think the general public and consumers coming down here, there's expectation yeah. that most of the wineries are doing something different and totally. they're like, do you do a Fiano, do you do a this? Yeah. Uh, which is great. So, uh, and as you say, we've got a lovely Mediterranean climate here in Clarabelle, so we can. There's also that association, I think, that things are getting a little bit warmer and drier, etc. as well. Increasingly, we're picking Grenache in February and, and all that sort of stuff. It's crazy. It's uh, certainly never happened in the past. And having gone back through some old diaries uh, at K Brothers, they never pick Grenache, certainly not as a dry red, ever in February. We're increasingly used to doing that now. Things are getting warmer and drier. And I think looking at some any of these varieties, whites or reds, that... Uh, um, perhaps could be uh, handle those warmer, dry conditions a little bit better. It's certainly a focus on all of us, etc. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. um, we're about one of many others that are looking at these varieties. And uh, Is there something that could be the next Grenache, which has certainly proven itself to be a, a very handy variety in the, uh, the warm, dry conditions and produce wines of very high quality, etc. as well. Um, the other one is a, a focus on whites too, where McLaren is 95% red, Yes. And that's not a bad thing because we do some great reds, but, um, you know, you go to somewhere like Sicily, similar climate, and it's, you know, 60% white, 40% red. Um, we have amazing natural produce here. The Goldus and Vincent, incredible seafood, and uh, we have these big full-bodied red wines to, to match with them. Um, so for <laughs> me to, to look at increasingly some whites, we've done Fiano, we've done Vermentino, I think, uh, very well here too, some beautiful Shannon Blancs uh, as well. Um, but to kind of focus on some of these other varieties that might also um, be very food friendly, but also very climate appropriate, I think is certainly uh, a focus of ours going forward. Yeah, sure. something like that, probably scallops or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. But um, well, thank you. Um, we're down here at the Lana Ramble Cellador, which he does share with a couple other small producers. It is on the McMurtry Mile uh, in McLaren Vale, a very famous strip of uh, dirt. And you're open seven days a week? Yeah, absolutely. Um, seven days, 11 till 5. Um, yeah, 148 McMurtry Road. We're actually in uh, Sparrow's Cottage. It's okay. referred to as the Sparrow family uh, resided here for many, many moons. Uh, built in 1897. Um, kept on nice and uh, simple. The place has been derelict for the best part of uh, 20, 25 years. Uh, yep. Good friends of ours during rain noon uh, purchased it. Uh, they've spent a lot of time and hard work uh, on the renovation here. Um, and ourselves, uh, Shiraz Wines and Bondo Wines have been uh, fortunate beneficiaries of it. So one person in each room. Um, we're open seven days. The other guys are open uh, three days, Friday, Saturday, Sundays at the moment, etc. as well. We can essentially all operate independently and Every Celador needs yeah. his own little point of difference. Ours is to have three small producers in the one venue. If you come in and one of the rooms is busy, you just bugger off next door and come back and, again half an hour. And now time. the uh, weather's improving. You've got a wonderful outdoor area yeah, with chairs and tables and grassed areas so you can go and uh, chill out with a glass of wine or That's a it. with friends. We're, we've literally just been open 12 months. The beginning of September last year, uh, we opened for the first time and it's a lot greener out the front now. You remember <laughs> seeing it in the early days. It's a lot yeah. greener now than it was uh, 12 months ago. So... Certainly the plan is to get a lot more tables and chairs outside and, you know, people can make the most of the 
the beautiful Maparamba weather and uh, pop in and, and have, a, have a taste and have a glass of wine as well. Yeah. Nice and close to everywhere else as well. Smidge wines just down the road as well. Back <laughs> <Thank> back. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, it's been fantastic. Uh, we're, we're very fortunate. I cannot be more grateful, more thankful for the opportunity that the Noon family have um, afforded us. And um, it's great to be uh, on McMurtry Road and, you know, surrounded by good friends of ours, Samson Tall over the other side yes. there. Um, we're very, very lucky, etc. as well. Well, it is fantastic. A little eclectic little celebration you have here. Mm. Thank Mate, you. thank you very much. Cheers. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. And, I appreciate uh, it. Yeah. Make sure you head down to McLaren Vale. Come and visit Andy and Angela at Lino Ramble. Thank you. Cheers, Thanks. guys. Take care. Thanks for listening. Watch out for the next episode of Matt Decanted on your favourite podcast or listening app. Or check out our latest updates at mattdecanted.com.au. Cheers.